Hello everyone and welcome to JTalk Extra Time. All of the latest J2 and J3 news is coming your way very shortly as usual. I'm John Steele in charge of part one of the show this week. I'll start by running you through about half of the J2 round 39 games from last weekend. Uh, James Taylor's on hand with the rest of the action for you plus a quick uh, ACL chat in part two. Without further ado, we should talk about J2 Round 39, and uh, we have to start with Machida Zelvia. Congratulations to everyone at the club. They've clinched automatic promotion to J1, and they did it in some style with a comfortable win away at Kumamoto. It finished Kumamoto nil, Machida 3. Kumamoto threatened at times in the first half of this game. Machida's keeper, Koki Fukui, did brilliantly to tip a shot from Rei Hirakawa onto the crossbar. After that, Shohei Aihara actually had the ball in the net for the home side. The goal was initially allowed, but then eventually chalked off for an offside decision, a very tight call by the match officials. Machida then broke the deadlock just before half-time, with Zento Uno firing in a shot from fully 30 yards that flew past the startled Ryuga Tashiro in the Kumamoto goal. So Machida 1-0 up at the break, and they were 3-0 up and cruising by the hour mark in the 52nd minute. Daigo Takahashi doubled their lead, scoring from 12 yards after being set up by Byron Vasquez. And then it was 3-0 when Hokuto Shimoda put in a shot from the edge of the penalty area that deflected off a defender and made its way into the net via the underside of the crossbar. So glory for Machida. Uh, it finished Kumamoto nil, Machida 3. And Machida need two points from their last three games to make sure of clinching the J2 title. Meanwhile for Kumamoto, they're 18th, four points clear of the relegation zone, so they can't quite relax just yet but again congratulations to Machida uh, all of their staff uh, players and supporters uh, I look forward to seeing them in J1 in 2024. Shimizu Espols are still in second place two points clear of third after a demolition job on the road at Iwaki this game finished Iwaki 1 Shimizu 7 and of course this comes after Shimizu beat Iwaki 9-1 at Nihon Daira in the reverse fixture back in May so I think Iwaki will be glad they don't have to face Shimizu again uh, this season Iwaki fans must have realised that it wasn't going to be their day when they gifted Shimizu three goals in the first half of this game in the 10th minute two Iwaki players collided with each other which allowed Katsuhiro Nakayama to carry the ball into the penalty area and his shot was straight at home goalkeeper Toru Takagiwa but went straight through the goalkeeper and into the net so Shimizu 1-0 up in the 10th minute Takagiwa it's fair to say was not at his best in this game in the 30th minute he inexplicably came herring out to the right wing to try and tackle Takashi Inui but he was too late Inui crossed into the box for Thiago Santana to head the ball on goal, but an Iwaki defender was able to clear it off the line, unfortunately straight to Nakayama, who drilled in from 14 yards for his and Shimizu's second goal of the game. So 2-0 uh, on the half hour, and just two minutes later it was 3-0, Takagiwa flapping at a corner, and that allowed Teruki Hara to volley into the net from about 12 yards. The home side did pull a goal back just before the break, Ryo Arita picking out Kaina Tanimura on the edge of the Shimizu box and Tanimura passed the ball into the bottom corner for 3-1. But into the second half it was 4-1 on the hour when Thiago Santana played in Inui just inside Iwaki's penalty area. Inui then slipped the ball to Rayon Yamahara who was driving through on the overlap and he fired past Takagiwa from the edge of the six-yard box. Just two minutes later it was 5 
a burst of pace from Kengo Kitazume led to Koya Kitagawa receiving the ball out on the Shimizu right, and his low ball to the edge of the penalty area was then fired home by the unrushing Ryohei Shirasaki. Nakayama then went agonisingly close to completing a hat-trick with a shot that hit both posts but failed to cross the line, and with 15 minutes left, Kitagawa played in Kitazume on the right-hand side of the Iwaki penalty area, and Kitazume was able to fire through Takagiwa's legs for 6-1. And then, in second-half stoppage time, Shimizu got their seventh, Iwaki couldn't really clear a corner, and Takeru Kishimoto hooked the ball into the roof of the net from 10 yards. So Iwaki won, Shimizu 7, brackets 7, Shimizu imperious in this game, but they do still have Iwata and Tokyo Verdi hot on their heels in the automatic promotion race. Iwaki sit 17th, 5 points clear of the relegation zone, so not quite safe yet. A similar similar worries to Kumamoto at the moment, and uh, yes, they'll obviously be cheering Shimizu on. I don't think, they, uh, don't think they'll be wanting to play Shimizu again anytime soon. Iwaki won, Shimizu 7 uh, in this game. Elsewhere, FIFA and Nagasaki are holding on to 6th place, but they're just a point ahead of 7th place Kofu. This is after the two teams played out a 1-1 draw at the JIT Recycling Stadium on Friday night. Both goals in this game came from the penalty spot, but Nagasaki almost took the lead early on, with Kofu keeper Tsubasa Shibuya making a point-blank save from a Shunya Yoneda header. Yoneda was then involved in the penalty decision that led to Nagasaki going in front in the 36th minute. He was sent flying by a sliding tackle from Shion Inoue. The Kofu defender protested his innocence, and the ball might have touched his body at some point during the tackle, but it was a very risky challenge to try and pull off, and uh, he paid a uh, full price for it. Uh, a penalty was given, and Keita Nakamura buried it to give Nagasaki the lead at half-time. Kofu equalised with a penalty of their own in the 57th minute when a shot from Yoshiki Torikai was blocked by Yuta Imazu, Nagasaki defender. Handball was given against him, but looking at the replay, to be honest, I think the ball actually hit his armpit rather than his hand, so Nagasaki can feel a bit aggrieved by the decision. The penalty was scored by Kazushi Mitsuhira. After that, there were plenty of chances for Kofu to win it. Nagasaki keeper Go Hatano made a great save from a deflected Sodai Hasukawa shot, uh, and another header from a Kofu player flashed just wide of the post. And uh, yeah, it finished Kofu 1, Nagasaki 1. So 6 firsts to 7th playing out uh, a 1-1 draw, and you sense that the battle for that last playoff spot, 6th place, is going to go down to the final day. It's very exciting stuff. Staying with the playoff uh, chasing pack, Gunma are still in with a chance of snatching 6th place. This is after they picked up their first win in 6 matches, 2-1 away at Mito in their Kita Kanto derby. Gunma had to come from behind to get all 3 points as Mito hit the front in the 20th minute. Kazuma Nagai with a low shot into the bottom corner from about 20 yards. And it was nearly 2-0 when the always impressive Motoki Ohara went on a mazy dribble into the Gunma box, but his shot was too close to Masatoshi Kushibiki in the Gunma goal. Gunma equalised three minutes before half-time in this game. Home goalkeeper Rui Yamaguchi made a mess of dealing with a cross from the left. He could only palm the ball out to Kazuma Okamoto at the far post, and he was able to fire through a crowd of players and into the back of the net to make it 1-1. Gunma had the better of the chances in the second half, including Shuto Kitagawa rattling the crossbar with a header following a corner, and Gunma's winner eventually came from the penalty spot in the 73rd minute 
when Ryo Kawamoto was bundled over by Hidetoshi Takeda as he received the ball in the box. Kawamoto picked himself up and converted the spot kick to give Gunma the win. It finished Mito 1, Gunma 2 at Kei's Denki Stadium. So Gunma sit 9th, just 2 points off the playoff places. Meanwhile, Mito are in 15th, 7 points clear of the drop zone. Not mathematically safe, but, uh, but pretty much uh, okay for next season, you'd think. In a pulsating game at Yamaguchi, Okayama will be kicking themselves not to have taken all three points. It finished Yamaguchi 2, Okayama 2. After a bright start from the visitors, Yamaguchi took the lead with a bit of a sucker punch goal just before the half hour. When a throw-in found Yusuke Minagawa out on the right-hand side of the Okayama penalty area and he fired the ball low across the box for Tsubasa Umeki to sweep in from about six yards. So Yamaguchi 1-0 up at the break. In the 57th minute, Okayama had a golden chance to level the scores when they were awarded a penalty after Kim Byung-jong tripped Thiago Alves inside the box. But Thiago fired his penalty straight at Yamaguchi keeper Kentaro Seki and the chance was wasted. Just four minutes later though, it was 1-1. When Seki parried a shot from substitute forward Lukao, Yamaguchi couldn't clear their lines and eventually the ball ran to Stefan Mork who was able to fire the loose ball into the back of the net from about 12 yards. And then with six minutes left, Okayama thought they'd grabbed a winner. Lukao again created the opportunity, out-muscling uh, defender Takeuki Mai very easily, uh, easing him off the ball and putting in a shot. Seki was able to parry, but Isa Sakamoto was alive to the loose ball and rolled it in for Yamaguchi 1, Okayama 2. The home side didn't give up though, and they grabbed a point with some amazing late drama. They were awarded a free kick right on the edge of the Okayama penalty area, right at the end of stoppage time, and the ball was beautifully curled over the wall and into the net by Georgi Ikegami to make it 2-2. That goal coming in the 97th minute, and probably the goal of the round, I think, over the weekend. Yep, so it finished Yamaguchi 2, Okayama 2 in a very exciting game. That leaves Okayama 10th, three points behind 6th place Nagasaki, but more importantly, with only one win in their last five matches. They're not in great form going into the run-in. And this could end up being a huge point for 20th place Yamaguchi. They stay four points clear of 21st place Omiya and the relegation zone with at nine points, uh, three matches left to play. So uh, yeah, plenty, uh, plenty for Yamaguchi to worry about, but I think they'll be delighted that they ended up with a point from this game. Up in Tohoku, Vegalta Sendai virtually assured their J2 survival after winning 1-0 at neighbours Akita. The vital goal came just before the half hour at Soyu Stadium when a great pass from Motohiko Nakajima picked out Takumi Mase inside Akita's six-yard box. Mase poked the ball back for Yuta Goke to tap in at close range. And that's how the game finished. Akita nil, Sendai won. The star man for the visitors was much criticised goalkeeper Akihiro Hayashi. He made a string of excellent saves to keep Akita at bay. Even when he was beaten in first half stoppage time, uh, Goke was somehow in the right place on the goal line to, uh, to clear the danger and preserve Sendai's clean sheet. So Sendai rise to 14th, 8 points clear of the relegation zone with uh, just 3 rounds left. Akita have the same number of points but they're a place ahead of Sendai in the table on goal difference.
All right, I think that's all from me for the, the first half of the J2 Roundup for this week. Please stay tuned. In a moment, you're going to hear from James. After he's finished rounding up the rest of the action, uh, James and I got together for a, a J2-focused chat. You'll hear that as well in part three. And of course, Magic Mike Innes has J3 for you in J Talk Short Corner. He's uh, bringing up the rear at the end of the pod. So uh, yeah, plenty to look forward to in the rest of the show. Uh, and I'll talk to you later. Bye for now. J Talk, it's your time. Thanks John, James Taylor here with the rest of the games. Dergin Kanazawa fell to their third straight loss and eighth in their last 11 as their relegation to J3 was pretty much confirmed with a 1-0 home loss to Montedio Yamagata. The away side almost took the lead in the 12th minute when Yusuke Goto hit the post, but it didn't have to wait long for a goal. A long crossfield pass from Zane Isaka on the right to Tim Miyagi on the left stretched the Kanazawa defence leaving Shuto Minami all alone on the edge of the area for an easy chance with 13 minutes played. Yoshiki Fujimoto almost doubled the lead in the 28th minute with a shot that squirmed through Yuto Shirai's legs, but the Kanazawa keeper got enough on it to recover and stop. Kanazawa's Kyohei Sugiura saw a header well saved by Masaki Goto before half-time. Then in the second half, Goto saved a low shot from Leo Baya. At the other end, Honoya Shoji kept the deficit to one with a goal-line clearance, before a string of good chances for the home side. Uh, shots by Koya Okuda and Junior Kato, saved by Goto. And the best of them, Yudai Kimura, threw on goal, but electing to try and round the goalie instead of shooting, allowing Goto to smother easily. Final score, Kanazawa nil, Yamagata 1. Monterio are in 8th, just a point off the playoffs. Zuegen's stay in J2 ends at 9 years. Confirmation of Kanazawa's relegation came because of a late goal by Tochiki SC's Koki Oshima, which earned his side a point against Oita Trinita. Tochiki could have gone ahead in the 26th minute through Tomoyasu Yoshida's side-footed volley, but Oita goalie Teixeira acrobatically tipped the ball over the bar. It was Oita who scored first five minutes before half-time. Across from the right was chested down for Masaki Yumiba to sweep home from 12 yards. Tochigi got the valuable goal in the 85th minute. Raphael's perfect cross from the right met powerfully by Oshima's head. It finished 1-1, another disappointing result from an Oita side that's only four points off the playoffs in 11th, but feels much further away. Tochigi end a long losing run, but are still 19th and only four points clear of 21st place Omiya Ardija, who continued their improbable escape attempt with a remarkable comeback away to Fujieda My FC. The home side had the game's first big chance, but Keigo Enemoto's volley was superbly saved by Kou Shimura. From the resulting corner, Fujieda scrambled the opening goal. A short corner routine, a booming cross to the back post, headed back in front of goal, and eventually bundled in by Ryosuke Hisatomi. 1-0 after 20 minutes, and it was still 1-0 at half-time, thanks to an excellent double save in stoppage time by Shimura, denying Anderson and Ayumu Yokoyama. Ken Yamura put Fujieda 2-0 up in the 58th minute, a left-footed volley that looped over Shimura, possibly by a deflection. A minute later, Shimura again denied Anderson at full stretch, and 10 minutes later, an under-hit back pass let Seiya Nakano in one-on-one to halve the deficit for Omiya. Fujieda gave Omiya another way back into the game in the 84th minute, when a clumsy trip by last defender Keisuke Ogasawara earned him a red card. The free kick was hit over the bar, but a few minutes later, Omiya were level through Yutaro Hakamata's header. Then, in the sixth minute of additional time, a high crossfield pass was headed into the Fujieda area, where Hakamata's header was parried by the keeper. Nakano poked the rebound onto the post, and Hakamata headed in to complete a remarkable comeback for Omiya. Final score 
Fujieda 2, Omiya 3. Fujieda are 9 points clear relegation in 12th. Omiya are still 21st, but now just 4 points from safety. There was another astonishing comeback at the Ajinomoto Stadium, where three late goals for Tokyo Verdi stunned Jeff United Chiba, who led through a quick-fire first-half brace from Dudu. His first was a shot that seemed to deceive Matthias in the air, as the Verdi keeper got a hand to it, but not strongly enough to stop it from going in. That was in the 19th minute, and three minutes later, a low Dudu shot from a similar position took enough of a deflection to get past Matthias and put Jeff in control of a game that up to that point, Verdi had seemed to dominate. In the 54th minute, Jeff had a golden opportunity to kill the game off with a penalty for a foul on Hiro Dogoya, but Matias saved Dudu's penalty, and the Brazilian forward put the rebound wide. In the 79th minute, Verdi scored a header from Tatsuya Hasegawa that went in off the post. Hasegawa was again influential in the 90th minute equaliser, volleying across back across goal for Itsuki Somino to almost carry the ball over the line. Then, a minute later, a low cross from Hikaru Nakahara found a path through a crowded Jeff penalty area to nestle in the bottom corner. Comeback complete. Tokyo Verdi 3, Jeff United 2. Verdi tighten their grip on 4th and probably end Jeff's hopes of catching them. Verdi have 68 points, Jeff 61, and the 5th place side will have to watch out for the teams below them to ensure they make the playoffs. Verdi, meanwhile, are 2 points off automatic promotion and level on points with 3rd place Jubilo Iwata, who eased to a 3-0 win away to a lacklustre Tokushima Vortis. When Rio Germain won possession on the halfway line and sent Dudu in to score the opener in the 7th minute, Iwata never looked back. Rikia Uehara hit a pinpoint shot into the top corner from 20 yards to make it 2-0 in the 13th minute. There were a couple of goal line clearances from Iwata defenders just after the half-hour mark, and having withstood that brief pressure, Masaya Matsumoto's glancing header in the 47th minute made it 3-0. A pretty easy win for Jubilo, who stay third. Tokushima remain in danger of relegation, sitting in 16th with 44 points, just five ahead of Omiya. That's the league action taken care of, but there's one more game to cover, as on Wednesday night, Banfure Kofu travelled to China to take on Zhejiang FC in the Asian Champions League. Kofu went into this game second in Group H on goals scored, while Zhejiang sat bottom with two losses from their two games. Home side prevailed in this one, though, 2-0 thanks to a goal in each half. In the ninth minute, Lucas Poshnyoro was unmarked at a corner to head Zhejiang into the lead. And then in the 58th minute, Nisha Mushikui shot over Michael Wood to secure the points. So Kofu remains second in the group. That's all for the roundup. Keep listening for my chat with John. Welcome back everyone, John Steele here again for some J2 chat time, I think we, we probably need to come up with a better name but that, that'll have to do for now, James Taylor is with me uh, for some analysis, James how are you doing? I'm alright thanks John, how are you? Uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, the the Kanazawa's uh, sort of league position probably the elephant in the room, James. But we we decided we're going to save sort of deep discussion on that until perhaps the season has concluded and some of the dust has settled. So I hope that's okay with you. you we're not going to ask you for a detailed kind of a Kanazawa comments uh, at this time, but uh, that that is something we can probably uh, we can probably devote a lot of time to uh, in December, perhaps. Um, so I hope that's all right. You you, you weren't looking forward to a four hour. Uh, kind of our special uh, i hope no well uh for every every week that we put it off uh adds another hour onto the eventual uh pod that victor and i are going to do so uh, <laughs> something for, for for you and yeah. other listeners to look forward mm. to 
You see, listeners will have focused on the multi-hour aspect of that sentence, but all I heard was you and Victor, and that's fa- that's absolutely fine by me. That sounds like <laughs> I, I'll be I'll be uh, can take it or leave it. So um, you yeah, have to no. it. Did ever not mention that? Oh, okay, okay. In, in that case, we need to talk after this recording. <laughs> we need to sit down. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, let's uh, let's uh, let's we've teased that now, so we, we we can put that on the back burner. Um, mm. For the moment, James, we we need to talk about some of the uh, the other teams that were in action uh, in round thirty nine over the weekend. We decided we'd uh, focus on two games that were just about equally uh, ridiculous in terms of how they finished. But we, we'll go for what we thought was the slightly less ridiculous one first: Tokyo Verdi three, uh, Jeff Chiba two, and Ajinomoto. I'm just going to read through a couple of bullet points from my notes before I turn you loose. Uh, James, I thought this was a typical J-League and more specifically, typically J2 uh, game. It was crazy uh, and it had that ridiculous finish, obviously, with the the, the late Verdi goals. Um, just on the first couple of goals, those two strikes from Dudu that put Jeff kind of in the driving seat. I wondered if Matthias, the Verdi keeper, might have uh, been should have been wearing a baseball cap because he was right in the sun um, for the first one, which I don't think did him any favours. I'll give him a pass for the second one since it took... A big deflection although if you're being hypercritical uh he did seem to have gone down quite early um perhaps he was you know his nerves were jangling he went down early to collect the shot and obviously deflected off a defender and went over him and into the net uh into the second half and i'm sure you're going to have something to say about this letting dudu take the penalty turned out to be a bad idea uh, but it was a brilliant save from mateo sometimes when goalkeepers save penalties it's because it was a bad spot kick i don't think that was the case here he, he guessed right and made a good save and then uh, down at the other end, um, yeah, Tetsuya Hasegawa. Not often that he scores a header. He's not the tallest guy um, on the pitch. So you, you, you kind of sensed, you know, something might be happening when he scored with a header. The equaliser, I mean, Mendes uh, not really covering himself in glory, but the defended on that, that the goal that made it 2-2. I, I got in my notes, I think it could even have been given as a handball. Uh, against the Verdi player. I'm, I'm not saying that's what I wanted or that's what I think should have happened, but I've seen plenty of penalties given against defenders um, when the ball's hit their their arm like that. So um, perhaps Verdi got a little bit of a lucky, quite literally a lucky bounce uh, there. And then the winner, uh, Nakahara, just kind of, you know, sending a low ball into the box. That was ludicrous. It just kind of went through about 20 players and trundled into the far corner. So absolutely uh, chaotic uh, scenes. And uh, yeah, Verdi, I think, are now guaranteed a, at least a playoff place with three games to go. So uh, Hiroshi Jofuku is probably in with a pretty decent shout for, for manager of the season. I suppose it will go to um, Gol Kuroda at Machida, but um, Jofuku might be my choice. And they're still only two points off the automatic promotion places, aren't they? So, you, you know, never, never say never. Uh, meanwhile, for Jeff, I mean, they've been on this great run and they're up to fifth. I'm looking at their fixtures that they have left. It's Iwaki, Gunma and Nagasaki. And um, most teams, I would say, would, would would probably have six points out of those games. But we're talking about Jeff United, so I'm still not confident they might end up with one, one or zero. But um, yeah, James uh, Verdi, Tokyo Verdi three, Jeff Chiba two. Yeah, I think you watched the game in full, whereas I just watched the highlights. So uh, yeah, what what do you um what have I missed? Well, uh, you, you, your point about the the, the two. Jeff goals is a good one. I, I thought it was a bit a bit strange on uh, the way Matthias the first one. He seemed to dive or jump too early or he completely mistimed it. So he got a hand to it, but he could only palm it into the goal. Yeah, he was too far, too far off his line, wasn't he? I yeah. think his positioning wasn't wasn't quite right. And and I wasn't sure. I couldn't tell from the replays if it took a deflection or not. But the second one definitely did. But it didn't change the direction of the ball. It just added more spin to it. 
and he seemed to it was weird because he was already down Matthias did it kind of just kind of went over his head and his hand was too slow to flap to you know knock it away or something it was they were both a little bit strange but it was interesting that they both do do, do shots with, from almost the same same place mm. um i think it's um Dudu Dudu had a, a, a an eventful game with his missed penalty as well. What 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 I think probably made this win a bit more enjoyable for Verdi fans was the fact that his celebrations after the goals were really really long. <laughs> and then, but not just you know you know like his um, looking up to the heavens and you know, prostrating himself on the ground and all of that stuff, but then hugging all his teammates and then walking really slowly back to to restart. And then just before he got to the halfway line, joining in like fist pumping with the Jeff supporters chants. So it took ages. Mm. And then when mm. he was substituted, he took a really, really long time to get off the pitch. Um <laughs> And that was at that was at two nil when he went off at two nil. So I guess I mean if if Ferdy fans find Dudu as 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 annoying as I do, <laughs> yeah, I think I think Lewis I think Lewis was pretty pleased with how this yeah. game turned out on on Twitter. Put it that way. I think Lewis is pretty pretty still hungover. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lewis is probably still still looking for his clothes. Yeah, in his bag probably from on the train. Yeah. Um, but I also for the penalty. I don't know if you noticed, but the the the, the encroachment by because Dudu did one of those stupid stuttery run ups. Took so long to actually reach the ball that one of his teammates ran in to the penalty area and was in line with the ball and still had time to run back out of the area before Dudu kicked it. I just thought that was really funny. Um, well, I think it's equal opportunities uh, shithousery, like Dudu yeah. even making things more difficult for his own team, you know. Yeah, but yes, and that was a very good save for Matis, and I think perhaps he um, kind of made up for, for for the, I guess I guess you could say, mistake on, on at least the first goal, maybe not the second one, but yeah, for for Jeff, you, I know you said... Um, yeah, typical J2 and typical J League. I know you didn't say typical Jeff, but I have seen that sort of bandied around a bit on, on, on the internet. And I think that's a bit unfair to say that Jeff blowing a 2-0 lead in this one to lose is a, is, is, is typical then. I think if they'd thrown away a 2-0 lead away to the team in 16th or something, then we could say our oh, typical Jeff. But here, this was against the team in fourth. Third year, very, very good. And although they're not a high-scoring team, they are still, I mean, they're fourth for a reason. And they're only two points off the top two for a reason. Mm. Um, so, yeah, but and now you say it's, it's Jeff, isn't it? So I have no idea how the last three games are going to go. I guess that's part of the fun. <laughs> um, and what was also interesting, though, I think, and something perhaps something to work on, is that all three of Verdi's goals kind of started from the same spot over on the right wing with the, the cross for the first two were crosses that uh, Hasegawa was, was well, he scored one and then the second one he headed it, volleyed it back across. Mm. And um, yeah, the second one, I, I, I kind of, it was almost like the the guy sort of 
caught it in his shirt and carried it over kind of thing. It's like he, he and I'm surprised that Mendes, I mean, his one, his, his main skill is obstruction. So I'm surprised he didn't do a better job at stopping that. <laughs> but yeah, he seemed to lose his bearings, didn't he? I think he yeah. sort of should really have been hooking that ball clear, but wasn't sure exactly where he was or where the goals was. Perhaps he's worried about putting it into his own net. You know, I don't know. But he yeah. just sort of took a big kind of swing at it, didn't he? And it didn't didn't quite go according yeah. to plan. Whether the keeper was going to come for it, and the keeper didn't come for it, and ended up getting bundled into the net as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think. Um, it puts kind of puts paid to Jeff's automatic promotion hopes, um, which were were slim, but mm. and also I ends, think even that's even that sentence is kind of an achievement though, considering we're talking yeah. about Jeff Led in in with a shout of top two finish going into yeah. the, the the final stretch. Yeah, I think and this has been a really really good season for them overall. I mean, especially when you consider that awful start. Um, then this is this is the end of an eight-game unbeaten run. Um, Verdi are unbeaten in seven. They've only lost one of the last ten. So yeah, it's, it, I mean, this still sets things up nicely. Can Verdi make it into the top two? Can Jeff stay in the top six? It's it's very interesting last few weeks coming up. Mm, no, that's right. And I, I would add as well. I thought the the atmosphere was really good for this game. Obviously, Ajinomoto Stadium is massive. So um, whichever you know, whichever J two team is in town, there's going to be quite a few. Well, more more than a few empty seats. But for Jeff, it's the first time in a few years I saw they had supporters in the upper tier as well, the yeah. hall, because they they sold out their I think their allocation for the the, the lower tier. So um yeah, it just added to that kind of um big game and important game feel. And uh, yeah, I thought it was a good. Um, not sure about necessarily all the defending and the goalkeeping in this game, but in terms of entertainment, I don't think you could um, couldn't have asked for more bang for your buck, really, um, especially in that kind of last ten or fifteen minutes. So, uh, yeah, fantastic game, um, and I think Jeff, like you said, I don't think they need to be too despondent because obviously it's only you know an eight-game unbeaten run before this, and uh, yeah, it's all to play for with uh, with three games left to go for both of these sides. So uh, yeah, it was very very entertaining stuff, and uh, yeah, it can, you know, pleasingly chaotic for the neutral. Uh, towards the end James talking of a pleasing chaos um, at the end of a match I think we'll perhaps we should move on to the game which we we thought just by a whisker was even more ridiculous and this is Fujieda 2 Ormia 3 um, from the weekend again just an incredible ending to this game I've written in my notes it's a masterclass in throwing three points away from uh, from Fujieda here uh, mm. Talking about the first half, I thought Omiya's uh, goalkeeper, Kouh Shimura, made some really, really good saves. Yeah. Um, probably one of his best performances for Omiya, I think, overall. I, I thought he probably was at fault a little bit on the first goal that Fujieda scored because he kind of um, was just sort of wandering around on his goal line and then getting in his defender's way mm. uh, for that for that opener. That was a, a disappointing goal to concede. And I, I also thought the second goal... Um, that Fujieda scored to go 2 up from Yamaha is a typical kind of team that's about to be relegated goal uh, to concede because it was kind of a miskick uh, on the half turn, wasn't it? I mean, if he meant that, it's a, it's a potentially sort of Pushkas award winner. But um, I think he obviously got, got it wrong, but uh, it was it turned out perfectly and ended up sort of looping over the keeper and into the net. And uh, after that came the the carnage, and we, we can't go any further without mentioning poor old Keisuke Ogasawara, uh, Fujieda centre-back, his uh, kind of very under hit back pass letting uh, Sayanakano to, to to pull a goal back and if Sayanakano scores against you, you you're probably in trouble it doesn't happen very often and then uh, he was in a foot race with Nakano and ended up tripping him 
uh, as he kind of bore down on goal. So that was a straight red card for Ogasawara late on and, and Fujieda down to 10. After that, Yutaro Hakamata uh, was able to head an equaliser for Omiya. And then he uh, somehow managed to score again in the 96th minute. Only five uh, stoppage time minutes were indicated, but this this goal came in the, the 96th. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this goal because Hakamata ended up heading the ball in from pretty much on the goal line. This is after Fujeda's keeper, Kitamura, had spilled the ball. And in a panic, a sort of Fujeda covering player tried to help out by uh, just smashing it against his own post, <laughs> which is a fantastic, uh, fantastic scene. So it's like watching me uh, sort of playing on a FIFA after a couple of a couple of beers uh, on a Friday <laughs> night. But um, yeah, fantastic finish. Um, Fujeda two, Omiya three, and uh, I can't believe I'm going to say this, James. Four straight wins for Omiya, uh, which seems unbelievable. They're still four points adrift of that safety line with uh, three games to go. And they're going to have to play against Kofu, Shimizu, and Tokyo Verdi in the running. So um, no, no easy games in J2 at this uh, stage. But they uh, they are within touching distance of a, a couple of other teams, aren't they? Yamaguchi, Tochigi, and Kumamoto all just got their heads uh, above the relegation zone, you know, four points ahead of uh, Omiya. Um, I don't know where to start with this one, uh, James. So I'm going to throw you under the bus. What, what did you make of this? These two teams have been involved in more than their fair share of ridiculous games this year. But <laughs> <laughs> um, Fujita really don't help themselves sometimes, do they? Well, this game was won. They'd won this game, hadn't they? And then they've ended up with no points. Just ridiculous. So, so many times they have gifted the opposition goals through poor back passes or, yeah, getting players sent off for clumsiness um yeah yeah it's i i think for, for omia i i don't know because i thought um the the goalie takashi kasahara had been playing pretty well this year i don't know if he's injured or if they just decided to try shimura mm. for a mm. change mm. but shimura has been excellent the last few weeks and um in this game in particular he he, he pulled off a string of really good saves and so if they if it was just a case of swapping no injury involved but just as i know all keepers have a, a thing about injuries if it was just a swap then it's quite a bold move and it seems like it's paying off because yeah four wins in a row this is coming after six without a win they're only four points from safety mm. they you know they they're they're <laughs> They're on a roll. They're, they're, they've got confidence. They they know now that they're putting pressure on Yamaguchi, Tochigi, Kumamoto, even Iwaki and Tokushima as well. They're not entirely safe. I think, yeah, that, that last goal reminded me of, uh, can't, you know, I can't, um, I have to see everything through through how it relates to Kanazawa. Mm, of course, of course. <laughs> um, back in 2021, near the end of the season, Kanazawa um, away to Sagamihara and 1-0 um, down after uh, an early soft penalty. And in the 94th minute, I think it was Hayato Otani had a shot, it hit a post and it came back to Kyohei Sugiura who put it in. So he drew one all, a really valuable point. It same, same kind of vibe about this one. And now I'm, I'm wondering if, if Richie Palmer's prophecy is going to come true and Omiya really are going to do it because they've got Kofu at home. Kofu have got just, they've just 
they'll be coming back from China, having lost. Mm. Uh, they'll be a little bit tired, although I know they're changing a lot, but still. Then they've got to play Shimizu away and, and Verdi at home, and those are really difficult games, but it's J2, anything, anything can happen. Mm. Shimizu might be they're not having an off day, they do occasionally, Verdi as well. They're, they're not, not generally high scorers. So mm. they are good defensively. So you know this, it, it, this uh, Omi are not are not out of it by by any stretch of the imagination. And I can't believe I'm saying that. Mm. I think we we have to give them a lot of credit because in the past I've been hypercritical of sort of some of the players' application and mm. effort in games. Well, there's not really been any any evidence of a lack of effort or a lack of will over the last uh, sort of, you know, four or five games, or probably even longer, actually. More than that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just they finally got the results. And, um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I wonder if it's something to do with just they finally woke up to what a precarious, you know, predicament they find themselves in. Or if I'm being obstructively cynical, uh, which I can be at times, you know, quite a few teams, you know, a lot of J-League players have year-to-year contracts, don't they, James? And we're heading towards a time where... As uh, Johnny Nickel used to say, or does say, that that, that new deal isn't going to sign itself. No. And uh, yeah, I just wonder if I mean I, that that's no problem if that's the motivation for players to 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 do to do their best. I think that's absolutely fine. You know, it's a business at the end of the day. But um, yeah, I have seen Ormi, and I think the only um, sort of frustrating thing would be if you're an Ormi supporter, like where were these performances like earlier on in the season? When yeah. they could have been, you know, that 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 squad has enough about it to be much much higher up the league. And uh, they, they've got them. They've just let themselves get into a really, uh, really sort of uh, difficult um, predicament at the bottom of the table. I mentioned as well that they're doing it without um, Jakob Swerdchok, right? Who's uh, damaged his knee ligaments and is out for the rest of the year. I thought that might be a potentially fatal blow, but um, they've just just shaken that off. And yeah, four mm. four wins in a row is um, uncharted uh, uncharted territory for Omia. So when we'll, we'll see if they can keep it up. I wonder if even four points might be enough to get them out of on, on, on goal difference, you know, the relegation zone mm. at this point. So we, we'll wait and see. We, we should mention at this point, James, you, you correct me if I'm wrong, but in terms of relegation, right, two teams will definitely go down as long as the top two in J3 at the end of their season both have the, the requisite licence, J2 licence, is that right? And at the moment, there is just, there's this kind of outside um, chance of FC Osaka finishing in the top two in J3 and they uh, they don't have a J2 license so if that were to happen only the bottom side would would go down is is that right in in, in right, J2 yeah, yeah so Just, there is there is hope still for Kanazawa if they if they can yeah. overhaul Omiya and uh, that, yeah all, re- all reports this week have been 99.9% confirmed Kanazawa relegation this, mm. this it's all been announced as um oh it's confirmed they'll finish in the bottom two because mm. they, I guess they're holding out for when it's absolutely mm. confirmed that Osaka can't finish in the top two. Right. Because it's this week that Numazu and Nara both got licenses for at least J2. Mm. And uh, every, all the other teams in the promotion picture have have the right, have at least the J2 license. So, mm. yeah, there is there is that glimmer of of mm. we, we, escape route we should like, probably mention fc osaka six points off the top two uh, yeah. with six games left so i wouldn't have put it in the kind of likely 
sort of category. But it's, it's, it is, they I mean, J2 and J3, very difficult to predict, aren't they, notoriously? So you, you just never know. But um, it would be it'd be a big shock to me if, if Osaka did did end up in the top two uh, in J3. Yeah. I think also, mm. if, in, if I've learned anything from, uh, from J Talk Short Corner and uh, just generally, you know, chatting with Mike this year, it's that no one seems to want that second spot in J3. So Osaka mm. could take it. Yeah. One could take it. Consistently inconsistent is probably the best phrase for a lot of these J3 teams, isn't it, this year? So, yeah, we'll wait and see. Well, what about um, just playing devil's advocate, James? In a, in a moment, we, we can talk about the round 40 games coming up at the weekend. But were Omiya to somehow, you know, wrangle their way out of the, top, the, the bottom two, rather? Not the top two, goodness me, the bottom two. Um, who do you think is most likely to drop in because you've got just above them Yamaguchi, Tochigi and Kumamoto. They're on 43 points, aren't they? You mentioned Iwaki on 44 and I think it's Tokushima on 44 mm-hmm. as well. I mean, my gut feeling, and I know it's just based on looking at Lita, but Yamaguchi are obviously the most likely to, to, to drop into that bottom two, aren't they? If Omiya can somehow get out of it. Do, do you think that's fair enough? Yeah, Yamaguchi should be the most worried. They, um, they're going to have to play Sendai, Machida, and uh, potentially a big game on the last day, uh, Kumamoto um, away on the final day. Tochigi are going ha- to have games against Okayama, Tokyo Verde, and Iwata. Don't fancy their chances of getting many points out of those games. And then Kumamoto, uh, similarly uh, arduous-looking run, and they go, I've got uh, Shimizu and Kofu, and then that game at home to Yamaguchi on the final day. So, I mean, it's really close to, to call, isn't it? I still think, despite all the all the sort of positives we've given, the the league table just says Omiya are going to finish in the bottom two. But do, do you think it's Yamaguchi who should be the most, um, uh, should be having the worst sleep at the moment? Yes. And I think because, like you mentioned a little bit earlier, goal difference might come into play. And their goal difference is also, is, is, is significantly worse than Tochigi and Kumamoto mm. and Tokushima. And a, a few goals worse than Iwaki, who did themselves no favours uh, <laughs> against... Uh, uh, Shimizu again at the weekend, <laughs> but yeah, so Yamaguchi's goal difference minus twenty six, the same as Omiya, whereas mm. Tochigi minus six and Kumamoto minus three. Mm. So I think, yeah, but uh, uh, Yamaguchi, but also Tochigi's form recently has been awful. Mm. Poor, I, I can't. Well, they they drew. They ended a long um, losing run of at least four games i'm just looking at the table and it's got those four black circles um but then yeah i mean i don't think iwaki will will put in another performance like they did this weekend because they don't have to play shimizu anymore mm-hmm. and so <laughs> probably be okay tokushima i think should still be worried and and kumamoto as well because they're you know they're they're, they're not very good either of those mm-hmm. teams mm-hmm. so yeah it is it is hard to call, but I think yeah, Yam- Yamaguchi and Tochigi should be the most concerned. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think that's uh, probably something we could say pretty much every every uh, October um, mm. when we look at the JT table. But yeah, th- I agree with you, and uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be fascinating to see what actually happens with this this relegation uh, relegation dogfight. Maybe then, James, we should talk about the games that, that these sides are going to have coming up at the weekend 
in the, in round 40. So um, the games have got a fairly even split across Saturday and Sunday, October the 28th and 29th. So talking about the Saturday games first, just one game at 1pm and at Kumamoto are in action away at Shimizu. So second place hosting 18th. Kumamoto are going to have to be at their very best, uh, aren't they, to get anything out of that game, you'd feel. And then four games on Saturday at 2 p.m. It's uh, Yamaguchi in 20th. Uh, we've just been talking about them. They go away to Sendai, who are in 14th. So 14th against the 20th. Big game for, for Yamaguchi. Probably the game of the weekend is on Saturday at 2 p.m. Well, Iwata against Tokyo Verde. That's third against fourth. Uh, obviously, if Shimizu uh, can beat Kumamoto and... Um, this game ends in a draw. That's going to be great news for them in terms of Shimizu getting getting the automatic promotion place in second. Also at 2 o'clock, Fujieda against Mito, 12th against 15th. I think that is um, not quite a dead rubber, but as close as you can get at this point. And then Nagasaki against Tokushima. So 6th place Nagasaki. They're right in the thick of the, the playoff uh, scramble. They're hosting 16th place Tokushima, who, as we've just discussed, not quite out of the woods yet at the bottom uh, James, what, what do you make of this, the Saturday games? There's a, a couple of bangers there, isn't there? Yeah, that Iwata Verdi game. Uh, what's it? Not, well, Verdi, they just played the team directly below them. Now they've got to play the team directly above them. And yeah, the, the, there's, there are only two points. Those two teams are there at their level on points. They're only two points behind um, Shimizu. So that's, that, yeah, that's massive, isn't it? And. Uh, well, Shimizu need to keep winning to, to to stay ahead of them. Also, Kumamoto need need to keep their heads above above water. Nagasaki got to try and keep themselves in the playoffs. Whereas mm. um, Shima is also looking over their shoulders anxiously. So mm. yeah, they're, they're, and, and and yeah, Sendai Yamaguchi. So Yamaguchi needs need results. Mm. So. Yeah, mm. it's, all, it's, all, it's, all, it's all kicking off quite literally. Yeah. I suppose on the face of it, Fuji Demito is the kind of boring game, but it's likely to be anything but, isn't it? Handbrakes are nowhere to be seen uh, it, it, it there. So I, I would think if you're um, if the pressure of these big games at the top and the bottom is a lot to handle, Fuji Demito could be quite a nice kind of end of season on the beach, mm. you know, four goal four goals each kind of kind of thriller. But I mean, it'll probably be nil nil now that I've said that. So we should we should move on. Um, yeah, but James, how about the games on Sunday then? The rest of the J2 games in round four two are going to be on Sunday, October the 29th. Just a, a single game at 1pm. It's Oita hosting Akita. That's 11th versus 13th. So I, I, maybe it's in the dead rubber categories. I know Oita might still have uh, faint uh, player hopes, uh, but it's, it's difficult for them to get there now. But they, they, a win against Akita would, would move them a bit closer, I suppose. And all of the other games are at 2 p.m. So uh, let's uh, run through those now. Yamagata against Gunma uh, seems like it could be an eighth against ninth. You know, um, failure to, to win uh, for either of those two teams really puts them on the, you know, kind of on the edge of sort of dropping out of the playoff race, uh, you'd think. Omiya against Kofu, we talked about um, already. Can Omiya second bottom? If they can make it five wins in a row, just be incredible. It really pile the pressure on the teams above them, uh, just above the relegation zone. Kofu might be tired, as you mentioned, uh, coming back from the, the midweek ACL game in China. Jeff Chiba host Iwaki. That's fifth against 17th. Both, si- uh, both sides needing the points for, for different reasons. Uh, and Machida against Kanazawa. Well, it's uh, the polar opposites, aren't they? First against 22nd. And a team that's heading up to J1, hosting a team which um, is, uh, as you put it, James, 99.9% likely uh, to be kicking off um, the next season in J3. But um, it'd be interesting to see the, what that game is like. 
And uh, yeah, Okayama Tochigi is also at 2 p.m. So 19th place Tochigi. They go away to 10th place Okayama. And we mentioned Tochigi is still in trouble at the bottom. After this game, they've got to play Tokyo Verde and Iwate in the last two. So uh, 10th place Okayama away is not an easy game, but they'll be definitely targeting some points, won't they, from that one. So uh, what, what about the Sunday uh, games, James? I've, I've talked for ages, but what, what do you think? Yeah, Oita, we haven't really talked about Oita much this year. I've had that brilliant start, fallen away dreadfully. I said in my roundup this week, they're only four points off the playoffs, but it feels like so much more. It feels like they're much further away. Mm. So I suppose, yeah, mathematically they can still make it, but realistically I can't see them. See mm. them. Um, especially mm. as that'll be 1-1. One, one. Because uh, Yamagata <laughs> <laughs> um, Gunma looks really interesting, doesn't it? Those teams... Yeah, a win a win for either of those will be would be would be pretty massive in their playoff hopes, wouldn't it? And and a loss could be could be not the killer not the killer blow, but but um, mm. yeah, a, a huge dent in the other in in their hopes. And uh, yeah, okay, I'm a Tochigi. I think like you said, Tochigi's last two games are, are particularly daunting, and Okayama. Yeah, Okayama away is hard, but Okayama's form has been pretty patchy recently. Just one win in their last five. One of those losses was a 5-0. Yeah, I, I, I think um, Fancy Tochigi to get something from that, especially mm-hmm. as they will, will they, 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 they got that late, late, got late equaliser to get a point um, against Oita. I think they'll, they'll, they might get something from that. Um, I mean, they have to really because they can't mm. risk not really. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, there's pretty much something riding on every game, isn't there? You can only mm. see really two, three, three games that I think uh, have nothing. You know, mm. Fujieda, Mito might be fun, but it doesn't doesn't matter to to anything really. Um, Oita, Akita, I don't think either of those teams is is going anywhere. And Machida Kanazawa's got nothing riding on it except pride. I mean, Machida hopefully will turn up still drunk. Well, I think Machida might be wanting three points to clinch the the title, um, you know, rather than oh, just yeah. automatic promotion. And I wonder if that will be, uh, yeah, the, the counterbalance of having achieved promotion relief versus wanting to get the title. Whether that's good news or bad news for Kanazawa, I, I don't know. But um, do Kanazawa have any chance of uh, pooping the party, do you think, James? Or am I, is it a silly question? I don't know. I think Kanazawa have every chance of pooping, but not necessarily the party. The, 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 their own bed rather than the party. Stinking, so. <laughs> stinking out the place all season. Would, um, would, you, would you like to see Kanazawa make a lot of changes to the team for this game, like rotate a lot and, and maybe use some young younger players or fringe players? Or would, would you like the strongest, uh, uh, inverted commas, strongest possible team to, to, to go out there? Would any any uh, What would you do if you were picking the team? I guess that's my question. I'd play my son and daughter. <laughs> Um, I can't play because I've got work on Sunday. But mm. they're six and three, but I'm sure they could <laughs> put up as right. much of a fight as the the team has in some. No, I, I I don't know really. I just I just want just want something to cheer. I'd mm. like. To, I, I mean, this is a away game, I, I, but we got two home games after that. I'd like to see a goal. Mm. That'd be nice. We haven't scored a, a goal at home since uh, since the end of August. 
Um, in some ways, I was thinking this this game is like the the start of the preparation for next season. Yeah, really, so probably. it might be it might, if if there are players who, um, how can we put this, are not likely to be there next year. Maybe it would be good to just play as if they're not there already and just you know field a squad of, of you know pick the players that you think are going to be there next year. I don't know. I think what what Yanista will probably do is pick what he thinks is the strongest eleven. Mm. Um, this if it, year, if, if it ain't if it ain't broke, <laughs> this year, um, at times it seemed like he doesn't know what his strongest eleven is. Um, but I, I can't imagine that he'll suddenly pick players who haven't played for months or who haven't played at all. Mm, it's not really uh, his style, is it? No. no. Right. And um, so I expect Kanazawa to go and do the same thing that they've they've tried to do every game with same result to be honest mm-hmm. um and um I, I don't think we should go into too much detail on uh, it well look, you, look, you never know football's football <laughs> funny, funny things happen yeah. i mean I, I watched um just before we started recording tonight i went through the highlights of the the, the verdi and uh, omia games that we, we mm-hmm. talked about you know the three twos and I, I knew what the score was and what time the goals came but even i was like shocked and audibly gasping at some of the some of the action. So yeah, f- football does have the capacity to surprise, and yeah, yeah. Manchester might have been, um, uh, as we say back home, James, uh, on the Raz for sort of six mm-hmm. nights in a row, and um, uh, Canazar might be able to catch them, catch them cold. So uh, yeah, perhaps we can we can reconvene next week and, and review whether that whether that actually transpired or or uh, or whether whether Manchester steamrolled steamrolled Canazar. Will it will it will uh, we'll be able to review that next week? I think. But, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, I, I think the point that you um, you pointed out is, is well made. That basically we've got eleven fixtures and only a couple of them look. Um, I don't want to use the word boring, but only a couple of them look sort of you know uh, dead dead rubbery or you know less less than enticing. So yeah, plenty to uh, plenty to be decided and plenty to uh, keep an eye on at both ends of the table. I think so. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be a good weekend, and I think we're. Uh, shaping up for an exciting, exciting run. And speaking of exciting run-ins, uh, James, if that's all we've got for this week, I'm gonna, uh, I think, end our uh, chat section and hand over to Magic Mike Innes. He, um, he's uh, itching uh, to get the listeners up to date with uh, another entertaining round of J3 games, I think. So uh, yeah, thanks for for listening to the pod this week, and thanks for for downloading us. If you're a, a patron who supports J Talk Podcast, we we appreciate that too, of course. And uh, yeah, I think that's all from uh, James and I. We'll uh, we'll go and have a, a lie down in the darkened room, and we'll leave you in uh, the capable hands of Mike Innes. He's got uh, all the J3 action for you in J Talk Short Corner. So please stay tuned. Mike is next. J Talk Extra Time. Hello everyone and welcome to J Talk Short Corner, the mini pod that keeps you up to date with events in J3 of the J League. I'm your host Mike Innes and in this episode I'll be looking back on fixtures in round 32 of the J3 season as well as previewing the round 33 matches coming up this weekend. There were two games on Saturday the 21st. Leaders Ehime FC emerging with maximum points from their tricky fixture at SC Sagamihara. Ryo Sato, the hero for Ehime, he scored twice to put them 2-0 in the lead. The opening goal immediately after half-time when Taiga Ishiura floated it into the box. Ryoji Yamashita and Riku Hashimoto failed to cut it out, leaving Sato to finish with an angled shot. 
The second came on 77 minutes. Ishiura and Shunsuke Motegi combining to open up the home defence, the unmarked Sato scoring from bang on the penalty spot. Sagamihara's Yuji Senema had missed an early chance to put his team in front, a free header tipped over by Shugo Tsuji, but the Green and Blacks did pull one back in the 90th minute via inform Tsubasa Ando, who received a pass from Kosei Makiyama and drove in a sharp finish from 15 yards. Five in four games now for Ando. Final score, Sagamihara 1, Ehime 2. A first defeat in six for Sagamihara. They stayed 19th. Ehime, after a dodgy patch, seemingly returning to the type of performance that's taken them to the brink of promotion. Hardly dominating play, but still seeing out the win. They're seven points clear at the top. Ehime's local rivals FC Imabari gave their promotion hopes a boost as they put behind them last week's defeat by YSCC Yokohama to win at FC Ryukyu. There were half chances at both ends but neither side looked especially threatening before the visitors went in front midway through the second half. Marcus Vinicius ghosting in at the far post to slide in Takatora Kondo's cross. Soon afterwards, homekeeper Junto Taguchi had a few minutes he'll want to forget, flapping ineffectually at an attempt from inside the centre circle by Kanta Chiba and failing to keep it from bouncing into the net. Then Taguchi came off his line to cut out Yuta Mikado's cross but managed to take neither ball or man as Marcus stole in front of him and steered it into an empty net for 3-0. Ryukyu claimed a consolation five minutes from time, Koki Kiyotake's lofted free kick brushing off the head of visiting captain Keishi Kusumi and in at the far post. Final score, Ryukyu 1, Imabari 3. Goalkeepers are normally compared to cats for their agility, but it was the mad few minutes from Taguchi which saw the hosts lose this one and so stay 16th. Imabari took the chances they were offered, kept it tight at the back, and so remained fourth. Eight games then on Sunday the 22nd, and Kagoshima United held on to second spot behind Ehime thanks to a home win over Iwate Guruja Morioka. A tense match played out before a noisy home crowd. This one was heading for a goalless draw until nine minutes from time when Kagoshima's Ise Tone came out from the back and played it long. Seiyatake raced on to the pass and crossed for Shota Suzuki to sweep it confidently in at the near post. And only three minutes later, Suzuki scored again. Another counter-attack, this time ending when he headed in a cross from Rei Yonezawa. Yonezawa himself got on the score sheet in the 89th minute, glancing in Kazuki Chibu's free kick for his sixth in seven games. Final score, Kagoshima 3, Iwate 0. Comfortable in the end for Yasunaki Oshima's team and the ability to finish strongly augurs well for the remainder of the season. A first defeat under Tetsuji Nakamikawa for Gruja, they fall back to 13th. And after I bigged up Gainane Totori in last week's episode, they 
comprehensively threw away the chance to move into immediate contention by losing the big match of the weekend at home to third place Katare Toyama. When will I ever learn? Gainari did take an early lead in this one, an own goal when Katare's junior Imase attempted to clear Taku Ushinohama's cross by blasting the ball against fellow centre-back Ryuya Ohata, off whom it ricocheted inside the post. The visitors drew level on the half-hour, Takumi Ito's shot blocked by Ryoya Izumi, the rebound dispatched by Hiroya Sueki, and it was Katare winger Daichi Matsuoka who emerged as the match winner here, providing some early warning just after the restart when his well-struck shot was pushed away by Koshiro Itohara. Then, on 55 minutes, Matsuoka received a pass from Arthur Silva, moved away from Mun Inju, and fired his shot between Itohara and near post. The home side's best chance to equalise came just a couple of minutes later, but Ushinohama put his low shot wide. Final score, Totori 1, Toyama 2. A first home loss since mid-June for Gainari, just when they had the chance to make their mark on the promotion race, and they drop three places to eighth. A crucial victory for Katare, third in the standings. Like Gainari, Matsumoto Yamaga tumbled out of the top six. They lost at Azul Claro Numazu. That meant Azul Claro completed the double over their illustrious, if underachieving, opponents. Regular listeners may recall the return fixture back in April, which ended Matsumoto 3, Numazu 4. Looking for revenge and to move closer to the top two, Yamaga almost took an early lead when Leo Yasunaga's 20-yard half volley hit the post. But it was Azul Claro who broke the deadlock 17 minutes in. Noah Kenshin Brown feeding Takumi Tsukui, who turned Yota Shimokawa inside out before scoring at the near post. The lead lasted only 10 minutes. Numazu pressing the button marked self-destruct when keeper Hiromu Musha passed the ball out direct to Yasunaga, who surged forwards and sent in a low cross that somehow evaded Takumi Hammer to reach Ren Komatsu, who converted for his 18th of the season. Azul Claro retook the lead on 57 minutes with the kind of incisive attacking play you rarely see in J3. Brown having a shot blocked after good work by the lively Kyotamochi, Kotaro Tokunaga picking up the loose ball and backheeling it for Brown to score his 11th of the season. A towering header eight minutes from time by big defender Yuya Tsukegi confirmed the win for the home side. Final score, Numazu 3, Matsumoto 1. Azul Claro looking here more like the side that reached third place at the start of September. And they're now back up to sixth, while Yamaga slipped down to ninth. Level on points with Numazu are... FC Osaka 
comfortable winners in the sunshine at AC Nagano Paseiro. Before his team went in front, Osaka striker Daigo Furukawa had two good efforts well saved by homekeeper Kim Min-ho. The first a blistering shot from 20 yards, the second a half volley at the far post. Kim was eventually beaten in the 47th minute, Shunsuke Tachino burying a header from Hayata Komatsu's corner kick, and the points were wrapped up 18 minutes later, Paseiro defender Hayato Ikegaya underhitting his back pass to Kim, enabling Takahiro Kitsui to take possession round the keeper and walk it into the net. Final score, Nagano nil, Osaka 2. Lamentable stuff from Parseiro, and I hope for their sake they haven't contracted Riki Takagi through to the end of next season. They slip one place to 16th. Osaka jump back up to 5th. And following Osaka in an upwards direction go Nara Club winners at FC Gifu. Neither side came into the game on the best form, and despite having only one victory in six, it was Nana who took an early lead, Kei Ikuma glancing in a corner by ex-Gifu midfielder Kensei Nakashima in only the second minute. Ikuma played a part in Nana's second nine minutes before the break, picking up the ball on a counter-attack and sliding in a low cross that home defender Genichi Endo didn't think to cut out, leaving Hayato Asakawa to score one of his easiest of the season. Gifu's chances of getting anything from the game were further reduced on 42 minutes when Yoshiatsu Oiji was given a straight red card for tugging down Megumu Nishida. 2-0 down and a player down at the break, Yusaku Ueno's team nevertheless pulled themselves back into it just before the hour. Substitute Ryo Kubota sending in the cross, Hirofumi Yamauchi's header beating Shinji Okada at the near post. As Gifu pushed for an equaliser, Charles Unduka had what looked a good shout for a penalty waved away by referee Masashi Harada, a decision which almost caused Ueno to march onto the pitch. And six minutes from time, it was game over. Endo caught in possession by Nana sub Sotaro Yamamoto, who squared it for Tatsuma Sakai to finish. Final score, Gifu 1, Nara 3. The home side punished for their defensive errors and they're back down to 12th. Gifu haven't been that low in the table since May. Nara, meanwhile, climbed two places to 7th. Further north in the Tohoku Derby, a somewhat experimental Fukushima United suffered a home loss at the hands of Van Rare Hachinohe. Talismanic right wing back Toru Shibata was dropped to the bench, and it was from down that flank Van Rare went ahead on 21 minutes, Kodai Minoda crossing for Koki Maizawa to head in. Fukushima's best chance of an equaliser came midway through the second period, but they couldn't engineer a clear shooting chance from a promising counter-attack. And soon afterwards, 
Two goals in four minutes won the game for Hachino Hare as first Shibata's replacement Shota Kobayashi lost possession. Now Yaseno moved forwards and placed in a 25-yard shot for 2-0. Then Seno exchanged passes with Yuya Himeno before cutting inside and firing home from the edge of the box for the third. The home side did get on the score sheet in the 89th minute. Hiroto Yukie picking up a loose ball, a 1-2 with Hiroki Higuchi setting up the chance for Yukie to clip his finish over Shogo Onishi. Final score though, Fukushima 1, Hachinohe 3. Fukushima's season since Mitsumasa Yoda took over in July seems to be petering out, although they're just holding on to 14th. Two wins in a row for Van Rari has them moving up to 10th. That places them level on points with the division's form team, YSCC Yokohama, who made it five wins from six with a home victory over strugglers Tegevajano Miyazaki. Not for the first time this season, YSCC were aided in their efforts by ascending off for the opposition, as Tegevajano had enjoyed much the better of the first half without forcing a save from homekeeper Jun Kodama. Soon after the restart, though, visiting defender Hikaru Manabe picked up his second yellow card when he jumped into Jorn Pedersen. And six minutes from time, Shoto Kojima swung in a deep cross for the unmarked Shuntaro Koga to head powerfully in. Final score, YSCC 1, Miyazaki 0. Six wins from eight under Kazuki Kuranuki for the Kanagawa Seagulls, back up to a very creditable 11th. After four games, Mitsuo Kato is still looking for his first win as coach at Tegevajano, who remain 18th, a point outside the bottom two. And finally, one goal was also enough to win it between Kamatamari Sanuki and Giravance Kitakyushu. Giravance's Yosuke Kamigata, making his first start since June, Almost found the net with a header from a corner, only for homekeeper Yusuke Imamura to claw the ball off the line. And Shota Kawanishi missed a great chance for the Noodle Boys after a lung-busting run down the wing by Gentaro Yoshida. But with 19 minutes left, Kawanishi scored his second in two games, meeting Kaima Akahoshi's cross with a superbly judged header that looped over Kenshin Yoshimaru and in. The nearest anyone else came to a goal was when a fizzer from Yoshida was tipped round the post by Yoshimaru. Final score, Sanuki 1, Kitakyushu 0. A first win in 6 for Kamatamari steadies the ship and moves them back up to 15th. Giravance in their last six have only a single point and a single goal as the bottom side, their chances are running out. So now to run through the top and bottom of the league standings after round 32. The top six are Ehime with 61 points, Kagoshima with 54, Toyama 52, Imabari, 50, Osaka and Numazu, 48. At the other end of the table, 
The bottom six are Sanuki with 39 points, Nagano with 38, Ryukyu 36, Miyazaki 34, Sagamihara 33, and still bottom of the table, still with 24, Kitakyushu. Six games left and Ehime remain nine points clear of third-placed Toyama. It's looking more likely the Mighty Mikans will secure that top two finish and promotion. What about the other contenders? Kagoshima generally are looking good, but they and Imabari have pretty tough run-ins. Katanes is much more straightforward. For Osaka and Numazu, closing a six-point gap on Kagoshima looks beyond them, but this is, of course, J3. Osaka, I should clarify, are the only team in the division who haven't been awarded a licence for J2 2024 and are thus ineligible for promotion. Down at the bottom, Kitakyushu are still nine points behind Sagamihara, so their hopes of avoiding relegation continue to rest on none of the clubs with J3 2024 licences finishing in the JFL Top 2. Of those clubs, Rheinmeier Aomori remain third, three points behind second-placed Sony Sendai, while Reilak Shiga have moved into fourth, level on points with Aomori, but having played a game more. I'll of course be keeping an eye on this one through to the end of the season. Just time now for a quick look ahead to the round 33 fixtures this weekend, when there are three games on Saturday the 28th. Leaders Ehime make the trip to 7th placed Nara. Osaka have a tough match at home to Totori. And Sagamihara host mid-table Matsumoto. Seven games then on Sunday the 29th. Kagoshima head up to Fukushima, but the other two main challengers are both at home. Toyama against Gifu. Imabari against Iwate. Down at the foot of the table, Kitakyushu have a home game against fast-improving YSCC. And it's third bottom against fourth bottom, Miyazaki against Ryukyu. Elsewhere, Numazu go to Nagano. And finally, Hachinohe play host to Sanuki. With all the week's business seen to then, that's it for this mini-pod. All that remains is for me to say thanks for listening, enjoy your football, and see you next time. Bye for now. 